Hello and welcome to The Leaderverse, where we're having a different conversation around leadership, a real, authentic, raw conversation around leadership with your hosts, Drew Lee, Lucas Sheradin, and me, Jesse Button. Y'all, how do you measure buy-in? Do your people buy into you as their leader? Do they buy into the vision and where you're going? What about, what happens when you grow your headcount just for the sake of the number? Hint, it's disastrous. We talk about all of that and more today on The Leaderverse. So, Lucas, tell me, why a different conversation around leadership? Why Leaderverse? Why now? For me, Leaderverse, as at its heart, is an authentic conversation about what leadership looks like in the midst of uncertain times. And it's a real conversation, not a theoretical conversation, not a conversation that sounds good because it's a soundbite conversation. It is a real gritty, in-the-trenches conversation that if you look around and you say you're a leader and no one's following you, there's a challenge there and an opportunity there to grow as a leader. And I think in the midst of uncertainty, having this conversation is going to matter most because in my opinion... Uh, in the midst of uncertainty, we see leaders emerge, those who make the choice to actually be effective in influencing people to, to accomplish a purpose, and we see managers tighten. But I think in uncertainty, leadership is going to be a pressing need. I pray for the managers. I hope they succeed, and they need to. In a uncertain time, in a shifting market, in, in times where people are stressed, Leadership is a really important thing, and it's time we unveil it and not gloss over it and talk in sound bites. Mm. What about you, Drew? Leaderverse. Why Leaderverse? Uh, we're in an information overload, but we're starving for wisdom. And I think so many read books, and then they immediately look at their own organization. They look at uh, leaders that they have around them, and they say, well, wait a minute, I read this. And my leader is the antithesis of what this is not. And so it's a real conversation. It's an authentic conversation. It's a raw conversation around really the good, the bad, and the ugly leaders um, of what happens and what you should never do. So what do you do when you're in an organization, leading an organization, or in a followership role of an organization and everything you read, everything you see, you can't necessarily identify or connect with because you're seeing the opposite style of behavior. Mm -hmm. So let's just talk about it. Let's get real of how do you fix the problems and the challenges when you might be the problem or the challenge? What are we talking about today? So, so I want to bring up the idea or the topic around buy-in is... You either buy into the leader, which just the organic side is then you're going to buy into their vision of, okay, well, I buy into you, Lucas. I buy into you, Jesse. So great. So I'm, I'm going to go along for this ride. I'm going to see where you take me. And as long as our values align, we're going to continue to move forward together for however long that lasts. Great. Or you buy into the vision and you're just going to follow the person leading, whether it's an organization or just leading the path. You have to buy into one or the other. So as a leader, especially in an uncertain time and an economic changing time, is as a leader, how do you test whether or not your people are bought in? And where my mind goes with that conversation, Drew, is 
how do I know the difference between formal compliance and authentic buy-in? Are my are the people in my organizations just give me formal compliance because they're nice people, they're they need a paycheck, they because I've got employees, um, they're doing it formal compliance, and I feel good that hey, I'm a great leader because I have all these people in my organization. And they're all just giving me formal compliance. <laughs> How do I measure the difference between that and authentic, man, I'm totally bought into the vision and I'm totally bought into the leader and I'm totally bought into the path. Great question. I had a coach ask me one time to rate my team members on, um, on a scale of one to 10, their performance. And then the second column was how much do they want me to win? And that question threw me for a loop because it made me, made me realize very quickly. I had about half of my staff that wanted, wanted me to win, wanted us to win. And the other half, I could tell they really didn't care so much. Well, and I think Drew too, as as I'm thinking about organizations I've been a part of the ones that have really moved rapidly grown and were exciting. And then the ones that were like, just needed to resuscitate them or they're really challenging. And I've got, you know, I'm thinking of one organization right now that's like, wow, that that's on a decline. I think people, the herd mentality, people follow other people and they may not buy into the leader or the vision. They just buy into the energy of the crowd. Like, and that, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. And so I think sometimes you could be a part of a movement and think that you're an amazing leader. And maybe you are, maybe you aren't. The truth is that maybe you're not a great leader. You're just great at manufacturing an energy that they gave the you know FOMO, the fear of missing out, and everybody's joining and there's social proof and and it's not. I don't know if that's good leadership or bad leadership, but it may have more to do with you caught a wave, you're fortunate, you got an influencer, you got somebody got really excited about it, became an evangelist, and it may not be a reflection on your leadership. And so I. I love this question because I'm thinking of my organizations, where do I have buy-in and where do I have formal compliance? Where do I have people that are just taking up space and time? And where do I like in my own leadership journey? And, and it's easier to judge the leaders that are above you. If you're a follower, I'm just looking at my, going internal and looking at my leadership. Like, wow, that's a really great question. That's how do you measure it? You know, how do you measure that buy-in slash compliance and which one do I have, or do I have none of the above? We're just operating together. You also, you know, you said something that that was fascinating is, you know, the the followership or the herd mentality. You hear a lot in organizations of, you, you know, recruit, 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 grow, 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 hire, hire, hire. But there is an element of that that says, how do you create more followership? You do it through growth, through hiring. Because every time a new person joins an organization, you know, when people join or they leave, it causes the existing membership, your team members, your employees, it causes them to question or confirm. They either question, should I stay here? Should I still be here? Am I am, am I on the right track? Am I, you know, should I should I hold my ticket and, and stay on the bus? If people leave an organization, they question, should I get off? And, and the more you can have joiners versus leavers, the more likely you're going to create that continued followership of, oh, this is exciting. It's still exciting. And it must still be exciting because people are still joining. They're still saying yes to this mission, to this vision, to where we're going. I, I shouldn't get off. The 
I call it the kiss of death as a, as a professional coach, the moment, and I don't care what level of producer, uh, what size the business is, how profitable, how much it may, the number of moving parts, it doesn't matter. The moment an entrepreneur says, I, I think we're really good where we are. I love this current team. I don't know if I necessarily want to add anyone else. We're cohesive. We're, you know, all of the, we've got the Sunday, we've got the ice cream, the whipped cream, the sprinkles and the, and, and all of it. And the cherry on top, we have it. I don't think I'm going to hire or, or look for anyone else. To me, that's the kiss of death. Well, don't you agree that healthy things grow? I mean, if yeah. it's healthy, it's going to grow. Mm -hmm. Growing things change. So therefore, healthy things change. And so one of the measures is whatever the end result is, are you growing toward that end? And if it's numbers of people, if it's numbers of profit, if it's numbers of you know, contributions, if it, there, there probably is going to always be an outcome that's desired. And are you growing toward that? Are you growing in quality? I was listening to um, the book Traction, and he was talking about doing internal and external growth measures. Am I growing internally? Are my current people getting better? And can you measure that? And then are we growing externally? Are people wanting to join our, our, our emotion? And here's the danger, though, that I was, I've been thinking a lot about over this weekend is you and I, Drew, and, and Jesse kind of came in at the end. We were part of an organization that was the fastest growing real estate company in the entire world of all history. The challenge with that was recruiting became the focus, not people. And whenever a company, in my mind, goes out and just says, we're going to grow for growth's sake instead of for our causes' sake, that's that that destroys a culture because you mm -hmm. have to bring in people who don't align with your culture, don't align with your mission, don't align with your your vision. And I, I know this as a recruiter that uh, you know, as a business owner, I can actually go out and recruit somebody by writing a check. Mm -hmm. The challenge with that is that's formal compliance because somebody is going to come along in the next year or two and write a bigger check. Yeah. And, well, so, and look at look at a major real estate company right now that they took that strategy of going out there and writing checks nationwide and, and bringing in really, you know, really world-class caliber talent. And, you know, at some point those contracts run out, those, mm -hmm. you know, those incentives run out and uh, they've written some checks and now it doesn't look like they can cash. So, so it's an interesting time, you know, going back to the, as you recruit, as you grow and you grow for growth's sake, you know, we've always got to remember, you know, business is calculated, determined, measured by numbers, but what are numbers? Numbers are people. Yeah, I had a good moment. I think an organization forgets that this is no longer about the mission. This is about the numbers. Well, the moment we forget that numbers are people is the moment you see an organization start to fall or lose their way. The reason recruiting and growth is so important is in my mind, what's the greatest measurement for buy-in? Do my people bring in? Mm -hmm. See, if I'm having to, as a leader, go find people, I've got a question are my people so bought in that they want to become spokespersons or spokespeople for the organization? They want to go out there and, and they want to share. They want to minister. They want to, you know, they want to bring other people in because they're so excited, because they're so bought in. They believe in where we are, who we are, where we're going. So, you know, I left a, uh, about almost two years ago, I left a very lucrative position 
Uh, it was a comfortable role. I had a good placement in the organization. I was making very, very good money. You know, it was it was just it was a great place to be if you were looking for comfort's sake. And and I woke up one day discovering or self-discovering, look, I don't buy into either. I don't buy into where we're going and I don't buy into who's leading us. And it, there was this like epiphany moment of, wow, none of that other things, uh, the material things, the financial thing, none of that really makes sense when you wake up one day and you say, I don't follow either. I don't believe in where we're going, nor who's leading us. And if you don't buy into one of the two, well, then to Lucas's point, well, then you, you find yourself in compliance. Anyone that's ever worked with me knows I'll question compliance all day. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to comply any further. Thus, exiting. And if you find your people exiting, you've got to ask yourself the same question. Did I lose buy-in as a leader or as a vision? Mm-hmm. And if the people don't know where we're going, well, then you don't you just lost one of the major two categories. If they don't know where we're going, they must only be buying into you. And a relationship as anyone who's ever had one, that can be one conversation or shot of tequila away from the screw and the whole thing up. I also think like in my, you know, I come from a ministry background too, and I I was a student of church growth. And the the challenge of the church, church growth movement is when it becomes about church growth, that's a problem. And of course, your faith is deeply personal and and it's deeply important. However, when it becomes about it, just a number of people or a group of people, and and we could we could wrap that in some really um, glorified language and say it's about you know our cause and what have you. But when you get right down to it, it's about nickels and noses. That that's a real real challenge. And I, I once heard a coach tell me, Drew, that people you know our number we study numbers because numbers are our people right? They measure our people, but people will never be just a number or else we die. And I, I think that that's, that's the challenge of being an entrepreneur because you measure KPIs, you measure businesses, you measure growth and you measure profitability, you measure recruiting efforts, you, you measure how fast a company grows, right? And if we ever get to where it's just about the numbers, exclusively about the numbers, and we don't understand each one of those numbers as a human life, aspirations, dreams, challenges, and if we don't step up and solve their problems, when it starts to become just about the numbers and, and people just become a pawn that is easily interchanged, that, that becomes, in my mind, a, a leadership challenge. Great example of that last night. Right now, it's January 10th, 2023, if you're listening and, you know, University of Georgia just won the national championship. They didn't win. They dominated. Um, and, you know, the head coach took moments to call timeouts towards the latter part of the game just to recognize his key performers, his key players, his seniors, you know, and which and that's that's an unusual thing because a timeout's a very valuable thing in football. And he would call a timeout just to recognize and have his his players take a bow. Those aren't numbers. Those are people, you know, and these are people that he went and found and recruited and brought from high school to college through the transfer portal. And he built this championship organization to win two national championships in a row. Something that I I believe only, I think, including um, that head coach, including him, I think it's only five head coaches in NCAA history that that have been able to successfully do that. 
Well, and I think that even like a couple of weeks ago, the nation was gripped by DeMar Hamlin at the Buffalo Bills, because up till that point, football players were somebody that we could yell at, call all sorts of names and dehumanize. It's just you're a guy that goes out there and throws a yep. ball or tackles a person. And and the truth is, in the football is they're, they're, you know, masks. So you don't even really see them as human beings. You see them as just pawns in a game. I well, I'm talking about numbers. We yell at the numbers. Come on, 23. Yeah, get your head out of your, yeah, you know, what I'm ankle. And so, however, the you know, a couple of weeks ago, all of a sudden, NFL players became very, very human. And I, while I don't like the tragedy, and I'm glad it seems like it's going to have a great ending, there was a silver lining that you have sports commentators talking about human beings. You talk mm -hmm. about the stories. You're watching these rough, tough football players show emotions for a brother in arms. And that's a real human being out there that we yell at on Sundays and scream at. And trust me, here in a couple of weeks when my team is playing in the playoffs, I'll be yelling and screaming at the TV because at that point, they, they don't become humans. The challenge is in leadership, when that's the way we approach, approach leadership, that's a huge, huge problem in my mind. Mm -hmm. I love to see the national outpouring of support for, for the one player. And as somebody that avoids, I should say, the NFL, I, I love to see that. But I also love to hear what he said when he woke up for the yeah. first time. He did wasn't concerned about the support. He just wanted to know, did we win the did football win? game? Yeah. Yeah. Did we yeah. win? You know what? That, that's, that's a great way to kind of wrap this conversation up is how do you know you have buy-in? There it is. When when a performer, when a player, when a team member, when an employee, when you know a, a 1099 independent contractor or a virtual assistant from the other cross of the globe, you know, from across the globe says, Did we win? They come out of a coma to ask, <laughs> did we win? How do you measure buy-in? Did we win? Yeah, if anything, I don't know what his physical future is, but if anything, somebody needs to understand he's the quintessential team player.